This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 188. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads, and I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Hey, Scott, uh, we're back with another episode. I'm so excited to get into the show, but before we do that, let's find out what you're working on right now. I know you've got a lot going on. I do, I do. Some of it is still, unfortunately, under wraps at the moment, Um, although it's been an absolute blast. I've got a group of writers that I'm working with for uh, something, I guess I can maybe share the genre in, in fantasy, um, not urban fantasy, fantasy, which is a change of pace for me. Um, and then I'm uh, diving back into the urban cozy that I wrote and started, I should say, last year. So there's a perma-free novella up called Dwarves and Daisies. And I now that I've kind of cleared my writing decks, uh, got book one of the duo um, book, my, my duo book, I should say, up. And I recently finished the sixth and final book in my little yokai series. That's now up. That series is complete. UF, Japanese mythology, lots of yokai spirits. If that's interesting to you, please go check that out. It's called Little Yokai. That's the series name. Um, but now that all that's done, I'm able to turn my attention back to this uh, cozy urban fantasy series that I started last year and have been, you know, been very delinquent. I've been ignoring it for a very long time. And it's racking up some lovely reviews and ratings. And now I'm excited to dive back into that. So that's kind of really what's on my front burner plate right now. What about you? you, you, What's going on with you? I know you've got a couple of series working. I have a couple of things going on. But first, I just want to put out there, if you haven't read the Little Yokai series, it's complete. You got all six books there. Definitely run out and, and check it out. It's exciting. It's different. It's it's quirky. It's got all the things you want in a great urban fantasy story. And I think people will really enjoy it. So if that's your jam, definitely check it out. Um, as for me, um, I have been working on a project that I'm working on crowdfunding uh, that'll be coming up in July. So stay tuned. I'll have more about that in the podcast um, in future weeks. But um, I'm also uh, working on – that's a three-book project, and I'm, all the books will be finished by the time the crowdfunding starts. So you'll basically know that the project's going to deliver because the books are done. Uh, it's just a question of getting them back from the editors. So that's uh, something that I'm excited about, and I'm working on that. That's an urban fantasy series, brand-new series for me. It's in, it's in my Extreme Medical Services universe world, but it's a little bit different and uh, definitely a different twist on that series. Um, so uh, I think people will enjoy it. And that's that's kind of what I've been focusing on a lot. I also plan on writing my second duo book in coming up in about a month or so. So um, that's going to be the next project I work on after I finish up this last urban fantasy story. I'll get back into my duo world and revisit with Jeannie and Rat um, because they have things to work out for sure after the first book. So we'll definitely get into that. I think all of our um, duo agents are kind of just these like <laughs> broken relationships. I think I think that's really what makes it fun to write and fun to read. Um, yeah, but I would love to see them having a group therapy session with Alder Shaw. Oh yeah, well he's broken too. Let's face it. Right, I exactly. Mean, like I don't know he, if he leads the session, it's going to be very interesting. No, 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 not he's not the psychotherapist. Oh, no, be, no, 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 no. He, 
He needs help as much as they do. <laughs> I mean, he's the last demigod. I mean, like, what's it? Imagine what it's like for him. Yeah, true, true. Um, that would be. There we go. Maybe that's the everybody comes as their characters, and we do a podcast episode where they um, work through their problems. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, listen, why don't we get into this week's guest? Um, I'm really excited about it because Mel Todd is an amazing author. I've known her for a while. Um, she writes lots of different fantasy and what she calls urban science fiction. And um, let me read her bio here for you because um, she's just an amazing person. Mel currently resides in Georgia with three cats who tolerate her. She writes her own version of urban science fiction. So if you're looking for science, aliens, invasions, explosions, and maybe a touch of magic in some series, you found the right author. She fully admits to being weird. After all, she writes about aliens and knows how to milk goats. Um, If you want to talk books, she'll talk all day long, but admits she hasn't had the time to watch much TV in the last three years, the price of having a writing addiction. Love it. I absolutely love it. And you're right. I love Mel. It's one of the true um, gifts of being invited to join the duo Shared World. I got to meet um, so many new, awesome authors, and she's definitely one of them. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. I am so excited to welcome Mel Todd to the show. Mel, welcome. And why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners here of the podcast? Hey, everybody. I'm Mel Todd. I write pretty much exclusively sci-fi fantasy, urban fantasy, all of it without any romantic or sex plot strings. Because as I tell people often, I really, really am bad at writing that. But... I will say one of the books we're here to talk about does have a really, really teeny, tiny, slow burn in it. Teeny, tiny, slow burn. Well, before we get to that, you you clearly are an accomplished author. You've been writing for years. I I believe your most popular series is the Twisted Luck series. Um, If you were to describe your books to a new reader, how would you describe them? It is an urban fantasy slice of life for a world one step to the left of ours where magic appeared in the 1850s. And the main character really, really just wants to have her life and be left alone. She is not that lucky. I love it. I love it. That's great. You know, you mentioned in your bio, you said, I write um, urban science fiction. So I, I want you to describe that for me in more depth. How is it different from urban fantasy or um, the book like we're talking about today? Well, most of the time, if you talk fantasy, by definition, it has magic. It can be swords and sorcery. It can be Harry Dresden type magic. It can be Harry Potter type magic. But usually when you tie up science fiction, most stories are set hundreds, if not thousands of years in the future. And I really enjoy writing science fiction that's happening now. So I'm, I call it urban science fiction. And most of the time, either I do it with the appearance of aliens or I do it with a technological change that just causes these ripple effects. I really enjoy playing with how things affect society as a whole. So with my urban science fiction series, basically it's what happens globally when you have these major impacts that 
nothing we've had has prepared us for. So, I mean, it's one of those I've had more and more people picking up on the phrase, but urban science fiction seems to make sense because it's current current world, current technology. You have cell phones, you have all this other stuff, and you have some sort of zeitgeist that completely disrails everything, and you have to figure out how to move forward. But it's not dystopian because the world isn't destroyed. I mean, there's no death, no zombies. It is change and the change tends to be science or aliens or something like that. So it goes on forward. So the shared world that we're all writing in, the Delta underground operatives, where there is a couple of characters, the, the twins, who are referred to as the Magitech twins. And so this mm-hmm. particular world, I feel like, could potentially fall into that definition of urban sci-fi the way you're describing it? No. <laughs> The thing is, is we're writing in one of those hidden worlds where you have all the magic that's behind the veil. And while it exists, the majority of the world doesn't know about it. And they can still do wondrous things that you absolutely can't assign any logical reason to. When I play with the urban fantasy, there is no hiding any of it. It literally slams in and has ripples that affect the entire world. And it is stuff that you can at least give hand wavium science explanations to. And for anybody who hasn't heard of hand wavium, it's basically, we all know that warp engines from Star Trek don't actually exist. I wish they did. But it's the hand wavium of, sure, it completely exists. It works like this. And you just ignore the fact that that isn't real. So I try to at least have logical hand wavium stuff that you can suspend disbelief and still get by. Okay, well, having now rejected my theory, um, we're going to plow forward and we're going to talk about this book that we're all here to talk about. Your upcoming book, your latest book, the newest addition to the Delta Underground Operatives world. And to uh, for any readers or listeners who don't uh, know about this world, I'm going to do a little intro here. Um, this intro was also written by you, Mel. So thank you for writing such a great intro to the world. <laughs> here we go. The agents of Delta Underground Operatives have one critical mission. Keep magic secret. Humans are not ready to know that the creatures from their dreams are real. They're even less prepared to fight the monsters from their nightmares. When the gods were killed, Alder Shaw, the sole surviving demigod, established Duo to protect the status quo, solve the mystery of the gods' fates, and safeguard the puddle, the last reservoir of divine magic. Aided by twin witches Maven and Moxie, Shaw paired up beings of magic who resonated with each other. In tandem with the puddle, these individuals now enjoy access to a second set of abilities, making them tough to beat. These beings are the agents of Duo. So, Mel, you were one of the last authors to join us, and we could not have been more excited to hear that your name was being added to the the pool of authors. Um, And, you know, I know that you got... uh, You were a little pressed for time having come in so late, Um, but tell us how you got to be part of the duo team and what were your initial thoughts when you joined this ragtag bunch of authors? Uh, Nicole in Agrodopas reached out. We had been talking about something just in general. I think it was probably, oh, it would have been the Arcanum newsletter because of the Summer Solstice anthology. So that was actually how I had met her. 
And she's like, hey, are you interested in this? And I'm like, interested in what? She's like, well, you have to sign an NDA. And I'm like, I need a little bit more information before I go signing any NDAs about anything. And so she basically gave me the gift and then had a meeting with me to explain it. And I was a little bit worried, mainly because everybody else had been involved for almost a year at this point. Uh, She contacted me in October. And she said the reason they were looking for somebody is one of your authors, unfortunately, had received a uh, a medical issue come up that they just didn't feel like they could handle the extra stress of another book this year. And we all get that. And I'm looking at my schedule and my life, which at that point was extremely hectic. I'm like, when do I have to have this done by? She's like, well, the end of January. I'm like, not a chance. (laughs) Just like, there is no way. This is October. I know nothing. I am finishing a book right now. And you want me to have another, you know, 60 plus thousand word book done. And at this point, I'm still working full time, plus dealing with my own life drama. And she's like, well, we probably really don't need it till the end of February. Note, I now know I could have had it ready by the end of May and I would have been fine. But I got it completely done by the end of January, got it to the editors. And so this book has actually been fully loaded and ready for pre-order for almost a month. And that has to be a complete and total record for me. Usually I'm I'm pushing that pre-order date going, please be done, please be done, please be done. Well, don't don't feel bad because um I missed a deadline for the very first time uh, last month, and I just found out that Will White had the exact same problem. Apparently, there was a, a mishap on his team, so they missed the upload, and his pre-order was canceled. So you, we're all in great company. We're all, if, we, if you miss it, we're in great company. I, I, I live. I am one of these people where my... I don't know if it's OCD or just personality trait, but being late for things is enough to just put me into tears. And so the idea of missing a pre-order and all the drama that's been entailed from Amazon, I'm like, I I really need to go back and check it again, but it's been uploaded for three weeks at this point. You're good. (laughs) And you keep getting those, make sure your KDP order is ready by this date. Make sure it's ready by this date. I'm like, I think it's up there. It's up there, right? I did remember to upload it, right? (laughs) Wake up at 2 a.m. with the, and a sweat and double check on your KDP dashboard. <laughs> oh, very, very much so. That, that has happened more than once in my life. Yeah, and, and I got the same thing as I uploaded my book a couple weeks early. And it was, it, I, I still like got the, the automated notifications like, don't forget to upload it. And I'm like, did you not get it? You know, and I, I did the same <laughs> thing. So you're, again, as Scott says, you're in good company. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm curious, I know you've worked with other authors before on projects, um, but this is a bigger, more expansive world project with multiple authors. And I'm curious how that impacted your normal creative process or your routine when you wrote Puppet Master. So I say this with love. We all suck when it comes to communication. I don't know if it's this authors as a whole or whatever, but we're all trying to keep, make sure we update this one master document with places and characters and stuff so we keep them straight. So it requires two things from the author. One, if you do something, you have to update this document. And two, you have to actually go read the document. 
So if you don't read it, it doesn't matter how well everybody else has been updating it. Well, when I first had talked to Nicole about it, you know, I'm like most authors, you start telling me a story and you start planning it in your head going, oh, this will work. I can do this. I can do this. I have the book done, completely done. I'm editing and I'm talking to everybody else. What do you mean they're assassins? And they're like, yeah, they're all assassins. I'm like, no, you told me agents. Well, agents are, no, agents are not assassins. I am having this complete freak out thinking, holy moly, I just did this entire complete book and I got the assignment wrong. So uh, after my panic attack and everybody assuring me, no, it's fine, because I I still am choking over that because that's not the characters I wrote. They're absolutely not cold-blooded assassins. Uh, It's been kind of fun, especially since we... I, I wish I had been part of the early days because I suspect that I probably could have pulled in a lot more of some of the places and people that people had been throwing around in the discussions, but I just wasn't there for that. And then by the time I did get in, everybody's like, nope, I'm writing. I'm going right ahead. And I'm like, okay, I'll see you at the finish line. <laughs> so I mean, I think it worked out and I know that Siobhan has read it and I think somebody else has, and they've really enjoyed it. So I'm just going to close my eyes and la, 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 and pretend it's awesome. Uh, it's it's going to be fine. Um, I was in on this project from the beginning and I pulled almost equally fundamental error. I, I totally misconstrued the magic mechanic system that Nicole and Kimber had come up with. So I'm writing my first draft and I'm thinking I'm in great shape. And then I happened to go back and reread the document again and realized I'd completely misconstrued how the powers were supposed to be created and given. And I had to go back and pretty much rewrite every action scene because I'd gotten it all wrong. And so again, you're in great company, Mel. <laughs> Beginning of the project, For end me? of the project, it's all good. For me, it was the, what do you mean there's two coins? <laughs> well, yeah, each of them has a coin. No, that 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 was not the shit. And I think at that point, I'm like, you know what? They welded the coin together. Tough tiddly wings if you don't like it. <laughs> Which is also really cool, though. I mean, we love it. Authors love to break rules. We love to establish a, a rule in a world building system and then immediately break it because it's fun for us and it's fun for the readers. So listen, tell us a little bit about your book, Puppet Master. Can you give us a quick spoiler-free synopsis? What? Spoiler-free? Yeesh, you're not fun. Well, readers are going to want basically. <laughs> basically, I have two characters that are opposites in every way. You have Nick, who is a half-orc, which means she's huge, she's bulky, she's muscled, and she's not stupid, but highly educated is not one of her trademarks. And then you have Stell, who's tiny, he's delicate, and he prefers a five-syllable word in exchange to a two at any point in time. They are basically Alder's last hope because everybody else is either busy or is dead. And Alder is having issues. So these are not the right agents to send towards this problem. But somebody is killing duo agents, and he basically doesn't have anybody else. And so they get thrown at this problem as new agents, and this is only their third mission. 
trying to figure out not only how to work together, which they don't have a problem working together, but there's a world of difference between working together in training and out in the field and how to solve something that they have no experience doing because they're not cops. And at the same time, just realizing that they really, really love this and they really, really aren't sure that they have any clue what they're doing. Exciting. I mean, it, it, uh, that's one of the things I love about the duo world is everybody brings a different flavor to the picture. And I, I, that's why, like, you know, I don't think we all stress about breaking a few rules along the way because it, it's the flavor you bring that and the explanation you come up with that, that you know, says, oh, that, that makes sense because you had a reason that the rule got broken. Um, so it, I think it I think it works totally. Um, and Nick and Stell sound like fantastic characters. And I'm curious, you know, are they the kind of people you'd sit down and have a drink with in a supernatural bar? And, and what would that scenario end up looking like? Stell, you would have a drink with in the supernatural bar, and he would talk your ear off about his newest project working for a special effects company in Hollywood because he just is absolutely excited about what he does. Nick would be rather boring because she'd be like, yes, no, sure. (laughs) She's the person that you want to go out and have a barbecue with or something that gives her something physical to do. So she's actively doing stuff. Put her in charge of the grill. Put her in charge of chopping firewood. She is not going to be your best conversation person, but she is absolutely the person that if you need a shoulder to cry on, she isn't going to move until every tear has drained out of your body. And then she's going to go beat up the person who made you cry or kill, depending on what he or she did. Just saying. Awesome. I I think I would like to have her in my corner. I think. <laughs> So um, every author has a slightly different process in terms of how they go about finding characters, finding stories, setting up worlds. Um, Are you a little bit of a discovery writer? Do you detail out your characters ahead of time? Um, Is it a little bit of a mix of both? Or at least how did this particular project go for the duo book? I tend to be a mix of both. For the most part, I at least try to sit down ahead of time and get their physical description set because otherwise I might as well just give my characters changing eye colors. Cause every time I describe them, they'll have a different eye color. If I don't do this, I also try to say how tall they are. Otherwise their height goes up and down and up and down, depending on who I'm thinking about at that moment. But I'll do that. I'll do personality types. I actually learned a long time ago that setting speech patterns both helps me with their dialogue And it gives me something kind of solid. So I try to set that ahead of time. I'm very bad in that a lot of my characters will have the same type of voice because they tend to have my voice. And I'm working very hard on trying to give them all distinctive voices, which was actually one of the fun things with this one is since this is a two-person, a dual POV, both in the first person, even my narrative style changed because both Nick and Stell had such different voices. And that was actually kind of fun because most of the books I've done have usually either been third person, consistent POV or omniscient. 
or first person single POV. And with me flipping the POV every time, I can guarantee you, you could read all of these chapters without knowing whose POV it is. And their voices are so drastically different that it was actually just a lot of fun to do that stretching as a writer. I need to do more of it, to be honest. But I at least had their rough character out, you know, sketched out a good idea of what they looked like and what their goals and stuff in life were before I started all of this. But I also had cheated a little bit in that in the uh, reader magnet that we have that has a bunch of short stories from everybody about the characters. Mine was Nick and Stell's first meeting. So this is where they meet, where they realize that their powers mesh and what their powers are. And it was also kind of like day one of their uh, love story. So I am not a huge fan of Insta love because anybody who's ever been married knows that a relationship takes a lot of consistent work. And just because you have instant love doesn't make it any easier. But I am a big believer of, wow, I really like this person upon first meeting. And both of them had that, not the whole, oh, I want to marry him, but more the whole, wow, I, I really like you. This is kind of weird. I don't know if I want to do this. But I have that where they're kind of just looking at each other as stars in their eyes. Not the instant love, just the instant I mean, I'm sure all of us at some point of our lives have just met somebody that we just clicked with. And it was that instant click, be it friendship, be it lovers or whatever. For them, there's this almost magical click for them. And neither of them has any idea what to do about it. I went and unmuted after and I'm muting myself. So, you know, then I muted again. Um I, I, you know, I had a similar experience. This was the second time I'd ever written dual point of view in first person like that. And it really helped. It really helps refine who the characters are when you have to get in their heads that deeply. And so I can, I completely understand what you're saying. It's a, from a, from an author standpoint, it's a great exercise in character and understanding a character's inner motivations and things for sure. It is. It's also a lot of fun, especially so. I'm a native Californian, which means I have a very kind of TV-oriented way of speaking, just because I, I don't tend to talk much with an accent or anything else. And most of the time, unless I'm purposely being in pain, like, I ain't going to do that. I never use bad language because both of my parents were teachers and I'm not talking curse words. I'm talking bad language because, yeah, that didn't fly in my house. <laughs> when you have to teach two parents for teachers, you never got away with uh, poor grammar. So it was really fun to stretch and try to figure out different ways for the characters to speak that were both challenging for me, yet really true to the characters. So what about the villain? I mean, you, you, you found a way to, to represent the characters, uh, your two main characters, but you don't have that voice for the villain. So how did you come around making them the kind of evil that was worth sending agents slash assassins after? So I, I actually did really sit down and think of it. So um, I, for the most part, believe that there is no such thing as a truly 
evil person. As much as I love fantasy and everything else, most people do things that outsiders regard as, quote, bad or evil because they have something that justifies it to themselves, be it they want more money, be it they want power, be it they want revenge, you know, whatever. They're still justifying their actions. So I had to come up with a bad guy who could have actions that I could comprehend. And this is me as an author. Like, oh, but let's say you're Lex Luthor. I'm going to use comic book villains because then I can't get in trouble. (laughs) I never got his motivation. He already had all of this power, all of this control, all of this money. Who cares? What? Why? I mean, I kind of got the ego thing, but I never got the why do you continually want to do these things that cause damage to other people when you literally have everything you could ever want. So I had to write a villain where I got and could understand why he wanted, and that's probably close to the spoiler I'll give it as it is a male, why he wanted to burn down the world because I wanted you on his side to a certain extent. And I don't justify any of it because Okay, look, just never, ever, ever cross me after somebody I love has been hurt. You will probably find out that there's an extremely dark side of me. But for the most part, (laughs) I still don't justify doing it. So we're going to maybe take that out in edit mode. We'll take that out in post. um, (laughs) So that's not on the record. Um, I know. That- oh, no, 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 no. Trust me. Trust me. This entire weekend, we had a panel that was called, how would you destroy an earth or destroy the earth? And I went on my little rant about how easy it is to kill people and started listing off all the things off the top of my head of how you can kill people with like zero effort on your hand. And people are just looking at me like this with their eyes wide. I'm like, humans are fragile. Get this through your head. They are very easy to kill. And we'll take that out of post as well. <laughs> so what convention were you at? At Con Carolinas. It was an awesome convention. It was a lot of fun. It's held every year in Charlotte, North Carolina. Sweet. Sweet. sweet, sweet. Okay. So you're kind of a regular convention. I mean, I'm I'm sure you go as a fan, but you're also hitting the, the circuit as an author. Um, yes. How are you going to pitch when, when this book comes out, when Puppet Master releases and you've got this a lovely paperback set up at your table. How will you pitch that to people strolling by your table? Okay. Are you planning on pausing this podcast for the next 20 minutes while I figure out that answer? Cause I haven't thought that far in my thought process. Well, you, you take, you know what? You get one pass every interview. You get one pass. <laughs> I honestly, I'll probably go look. It's a standalone, super slow burn romance. No sex of two characters fighting somebody that they have absolutely zero clue how to solve this problem. And you get to explore the Portland um, Portland area and just have a lot of fun with two adorable characters. And then I'll turn it over and hand them the book because you always hand them the book so they can read the blurb. You got to mention the donuts though. I saw your post on Facebook <laughs> and then on the duo page. You can't, you can't mention Portland without mentioning that amazing donut shop. What's so funny is Voodoo Donuts has almost become a cult thing. They didn't exist when I lived in Portland. For me, the cult thing for Portland is Powell's, hands down. 
Pals is the jam if you are a book lover. It, literally, if you are in Portland and you are there for more than three or four hours as a layover, get on the train, go to Pals. You will not, well, okay, your luggage weight limits might regret it. You won't. All right. Fair enough. We'll, we'll put that in as, as the travel section of the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's great. Um, so guess what? You've survived the biggest part of the podcast so far, but now we're at the, the what we like to call no wrong answers round of the podcast. We're going to hit you with five quick questions, rapid fire and we just want the, there's no wrong answers. Just hit us with the first thing that comes to mind. It, it's not a right or a wrong. It's just whatever your answer is. And if you're ready to go, I'll, I'll go with the first question. Go for it. All right. What was the last show you binge watched? Binge watched. Um, New Amsterdam. Super strength or the ability to fly. Which superpower fly. would you use Flying. She had it. Vacation at the beach or vacation in the mountains? Mountains. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek. Beer or wine? Wine. Done. That was the easiest part of the show. You're a pro. (laughs) (laughs) See, the problem is, is so my last vacation, I went to the beach and I'm on the beach and I realized I really love being on the water. Sitting at the beach is boring as I'll get up for me. I'd much rather be in the mountains and enjoying watching the various animals and everything else. So I probably, the only thing that makes me do beach vacations is usually like one vacation a year. I like to do the all-inclusive so I don't have to think. They're always at the beach. I haven't found one yet that's in the mountains. So that one's easy. I've always been a Trekkie because I've been watching Star Trek since, yeah, long time. And. I would love to fly, mainly because uh, when I had my day job, my daily commute was three hours a day. It would have been 15 minutes if I could have flown. Fair enough. And, and I think a lot of people would buy that answer. Uh, no one likes commuting. No one likes commuting. Mel, do us a favor. Remind all the listeners, when is Puppet Master going to be available for everyone to read and enjoy? So Puppet Master comes out June 16th. That is a Friday. However, that day I have a non-negotiable commitment that is both sad and happy at the same time. So we are actually going to have the launch party that Saturday on June 17th. So if you, the ravening mad public, would like to see me in a swimsuit, this is your one and only chance because I can pretty much guarantee you I will never be caught on film again in a swimsuit. So. Show up for our swimsuit party for the launch on June 17th. And we should be posting details on the Duo Facebook page and in the Facebook group. So if you haven't joined or you're not following on the page, please do so right away. Because, again, once in a lifetime opportunity, Mel Todd and the suit people. For sure. And Mel, where can, folks find you on, where can folks find you online if they want to look up, look at your other books? Uh, so you can find me at my publishing company, Badash Publishing, and that's A-S-H, Badash Publishing, or Meltod.com. And pretty much all social media, you can find me at Badash Books. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That'll do it. I play around on TikTok, but not enough to make it worth following me at this point. 
It was great talking with you, Mel. Thanks so much for joining us today. And congratulations. Thank you, guys. I had fun. And congratulations on Puppet Master. Can't wait for that to go out. Yay! <laughs> While chatting with Mel was so much fun, I can't wait to read Puppet Master, which is the next book in the duo universe with original characters. It'll be out soon after the release of this podcast episode, so you'll definitely want to check for that. We'll have links to her books and everything we talked about in the show notes for this episode over at jamiedavisbooks.com. Scott, why don't you uh, share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you and follow what you're up to? That's super easy. If you go to scottiswriting.com, that's my website, all the information on my books, including the ability to download for free the prequel novella to my little yokai series. As for social media, pretty much again, Scott is writing. You can find me real easy. How about you? Uh, Before we do, we have to make sure we put a link in the show notes to that um, cozy urban fantasy too that you have because oh, the free download. Yeah. For doors and daisies. Totally. I will do that. Definitely do that because I think people, that's a great story and I think people will love it and get them primed for when you get the next books out. Um, as far as me, you can find me at jamiedavisbooks.com or on my fun fantasy readers, Facebook group, and make sure you check out the podcast and subscribe to the show at jamiedavisbooks.com. You can click right on the podcast tab at the top of the page and find everything you need there. So until next time, I'm Jamie Davis. And I'm Scott Walker, telling you to keep on reading and keep listening here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast.